0: fifty one. Amen. While well, you're turning there, I want to thank you, Pastor Stevon, for, for for trusting me tonight to to be behind this pulpit. I want to thank all the leadership here tonight for, for trusting me and giving me this awesome privilege and most of all tonight I want to thank the men's home. Amen. Amen. God God, God gave me the awesome privilege of of raising up men, for for they can come into this church and back up our pastor. They can come into this church and and be arrows in his quivers, so that he can shoot them out to all the four corners of the world. Amen. Ain't that right, men's own? Ain't that right, men's own? Amen. 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 Now let's hear. Let's read. It says, um, "Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my con." con-, con- transgressions, wash away all my iniquity. cleanse me from my sins. For I know my transgressions and my sins is always before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret places. Cleansed me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew my steadfast spirit who knew a steadfast spirit in me. Father, I I asked you, Lord, to to speak through me today, Lord, to to move me to 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 speak the words that you that you have implanted into my heart. Because I know that that I'm just delivering a word that you gave to me, a word that, that you spoke to me first. So I pray today, Father, that you would give me the the boldness and the strength to deliver this word with boldness, with clarity and with simplicity. I ask you these things tonight. In your name, Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Amen. The message of the Psalms can be summed up, the message of Psalm 51 can be summed up in three words. Guilt, grace, and gratitude. And that's what I'm going to speak tonight about, guilt, grace, and gratitude. You see, King David his sense of guilt was true. His feelings of shame and fear were fully deserved. They were fully deserved. He, all the things that he felt, he's truly deserved. You see, he said in, in, in verses 1 through 3, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your own failing love, because of your great compassion. He says, Blot out my, the stain of my sins. Wash me. Clean my guilt. Purify me from sins. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. To understand what David is saying in these words, let me explain a story back in 2 Samuel 11. To understand why David wrote Psalms 51. You see, there's a story, a familiar story that we all know about, about David and Bathsheba. This is a familiar story. and, And what happened is David one day was on his on his balcony when all the soldiers were out to war. And so David looked across his balcony and he seen this woman bathing. And he sent his his servants out to inquire about who this woman was. They came back and they told her that this is Uriah's Uriah's wife. Uriah was one of David's 30 men, 30 mighty men. He was out to war. So what David did is he brought her to her and, and, and he laid with her. He committed adultery. But in that, he's seen he, he did wrong. He, he's still the king, but he knew that he had did wrong. So what he did is he brought Uriah back. And when he did that, he had him over to his house and got him drunk. And he told him, go home to your wife. But Uriah is such a loyal soldier that he said, no, I, I ain't going. I'm going to hang out because, you know, my men are out there fighting. And why should I go there and have a good time? Why should I go be with my wife when my men are out there dying and fighting? So he stayed there. But this put like a little, little lump in David's plan because David knew he had to get rid of Uriah. He had to get rid of him because, because of the act that he done. So what happens was it, it went on. So he, he called his other general, Joab, and he tells him, he says, send him back out to war. So he sends him back out to war, and, Dave, and he ends up getting killed, thus freeing, freeing David from anyone knowing about his sin. Anyone knowing about what he'd done? You see, David believed he had escaped. People had forgot, but yet he had forgotten the word that was in Numbers 32, 23. It says, be sure sin will find you out. See, that's what we got to understand, that sometimes just like David, we, we do things and we think that, because it's easy to come to church with our good shirt on and our pants all wrinkled our shoes all shine. You know, we got the right words, amen, praise God, hallelujah. We got a good Bible. We come up here and blast with a good testimony and all those other things. But deep down inside, no one knows about that secret sin. Amen? Amen. You see, sin deceived David. Sin deceived David. But it was discovered, but not before it wreaked havoc in David's life. You see, later in his life, his family, and his kingdom, David would pay a heavy price for his adultery and murder of Uriah. The baby to be born to him would die. Amnon, his son, would rape Tamar, his his sister, David's daughter. Absalom would kill Ammon, is an act of rebellion. All these things happen. Why? Because David had secret sin in his life. He had got over it. He, He thought he had got over it because no one knew about it. I have, a, I have a story about a man many of you know or may not know. His name is um, Jim Baker. He was one of them TV evangelists. And you, as you know, he, in the book, in the title, he says, I was wrong. See, in this book, he, admits, he, admits, he not only admits his moral, moral failure, but he acknowledges that he led people astray by teaching them theologi- theological error. So he, not only did he did he lead, did he live, did he live, live immorally, but he started preaching false doctrine. See, he described himself during that time of his life as ambitious and self-serving. And considered himself above consequences. And that's the same thing what happened with David. He was the king. Instead of going out to war, he thought he could do whatever he wants because he was the king. And sometimes that's the way we get. We think because we're the mom, or we're the dad, or we're the leader, or whatever it is we are, that we're above consequences. Because I know here in Victory Outreach, we're good manipulators. At least I know I was. Sometimes I still am. You know, I'm I'm still a good manipulator. I can still make everyone think, I can still make pastors think everything's going good at the men's home when everything ain't really going good at the men's home. You know, I can make pastor think that the men are all in love with me. Brother Will's a good director when Brother Will's really a bear. <laughs> and we're not talking about sugar bear either. <laughs> Woo, come on now. <laughs> but you see, when he, found, when he wound up in prison, alone and broken and abandoned, he experienced a change of heart. He experienced a change of heart, and I believe that's what happened to David. He found himself alone, abandoned, maybe not around people, but inside. Inside, the guilt inside of him began to eat him up. The guilt inside of him of what he'd done. This is one of his mighty men. This is one of the men that he poured his life into. These are one of the men that that he was there with him, that he fought side by side with, and he killed him. Can you imagine that? That's just like me and (laughs) Toad. Man, we've been together for a minute now. We have fought side by side. And one day, Toby sent me out on a, a, a cut brake line or something, it <laughs> No, don't do that to me, Toby. <laughs> but it's the same thing. And maybe we may not physically kill nobody, maybe we may not physically hurt somebody, but sometimes the way we act, sometimes the way we talk to people, sometimes the way we treat people, it hurts, man. Words hurt. Because, you know, as you know, I'm kind of a big guy. You know what I mean? And I, ain't, I just didn't, I wasn't once skinny, then got big. I've always been big. i always been big. I used to wear Huskies. You know, I used to think Husky was a name brand. <laughs> I did. I said, man, Husky. <laughs> they were talking about I was Husky. I didn't know. But when I was growing up, people used to make fun of me because I was big. People used to make fun of me because, you know, I was the little fat kid on the block. You know? But I determined it in my mind, though, that, hey, after a while, anything a little guy can do, I can do. But let's get back to David. Let's get back to David. You see, when when, when Mr. Baker reached to a point when there was, when he was truly sorry for his sins, and when when he started when he stopped protecting his sins and confessed them. He began to, to feel better. He began to restore his relationship with God. And that's what it is. Once we get past that sin, once we let people know, say, God, man, I'm sorry. That's what David was saying right now. He was saying, God, I sinned against you. I'm sorry. You see, you can see that, that his unconfessed, the unconfessed sin as David was miserable. And it sounds as though he was depressed and guilt-ridden. But that's happens, that's what happens to us when we try to cover up a cover-up. That's what happens to us when we try to cover up a cover-up. We're already trying to cover something up. Just like my mama said, when you lie, you got to tell another lie to cover up that lie. And then you got to tell another lie to cover up that lie. And then you got to tell another lie to cover up that lie. Eventually you forgot what you lied about originally. And it all comes back in the first circle. And that's what was happening to David. He was covering up. But then you look at the, what dramatically happened in verse 5. David cries out. He says, then I have acknowledged my sins to you. You see, his sins, he, he didn't want to cover up anymore. He didn't cover up his inequity. The message Bible reads it like this. He says, It says, I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring down at me. That's what David was saying. He said, I know how bad I've been. My sins keep staring down at me. And sometimes when we got guilt, when we know we've done something that's not right, our sin just stares down at you. Wake up in the morning, it's all in your mind. When you see somebody, you wonder, man, do they know about what I did? Do they know, man, God? And all of a sudden, that guilt and that shame begins to get on you. All of a sudden, you're just like, man. And you begin to isolate, and you begin to back up. And and when you see people, and they, they begin to know something's wrong. You see, once David admitted to God that he was wrong, that he had sinned, that he experienced the inward healing, his guilt was taken away. And he received forgiveness. And that's what we have to do. Whenever, in order to get rid of that guilt, we got to break down. It doesn't matter. We can hide it out from Pastor. We can hide it out from Toby. We can hide it out from your wife. You can hide it out from whoever you want. But unless you come here and, and confess before God, say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I did. It's going to stay inside of you. It's going to stay inside of you. Next, Psalms 51 is about grace. It's about grace. Now, in order for us to receive this grace, we got to be forgiven. we got to come and repent before God. You see, grace is God's loving pardon, pardoning and renewing favor, giving people who don't have it coming. I stand up here because I don't deserve any of this grace. I don't deserve any mercy. I deserve to be locked up in Pelican Bay or whatever bay or whatever prison you think I did. Because what, what they said I did, I did. I'm not here. I know what I did. I know who I was. There wasn't no super killer, no none of that. But I was, I was bad. And I deserved everything. But it was because of God's grace. That's the only thing that saved me. See, the good news is that God always offers us his restoring grace. King David sinned against God when he, had, when he had his prayer with Bathsheba, yet he prayed this prayer: Wash me and clean me from my guilt, purify me from my sins, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. To understand and to understand what and why David is saying these words, oh, excuse me. That was a, that was a got bad eyes. I was to create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit. Don't cast me away from your presence and do not take your spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. He says that in Psalms 51, 10 through 7. You see, when we blow it, when we walk away, when we stumble, God says, and when you, when you come back to me, he says, come back to me, he says, I will restore you. Every time we blow it, God is just waiting there for us to come back to him. God is just waiting there to extend his grace to us. Every time we blow it. You see, that's God's restoring grace. Once you have grown cold, once you have have let yourself down and let God down, why is it that God is willing to take, take us back? How can we ask him to restore the joy and salvation in our lives? How can, how can he be so forgiving? Because God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. He doesn't say, I love you because, because you are good, because you are perfect, because you are handsome, because you're holy. He doesn't say, I will love you because you are intelligent, generous, gracious. He just says, I love you and that's it. Period. There ain't nothing else to it. God just loves us. He just loves us. You see, we need to repeat, we need I have a phrase, we need to repeat a phrase every day. Some of us need to say this phrase over and over again. I need to say it to myself. And what is that phrase? It says, God will never stop loving me. I have to tell myself that every day because sometimes I think, man, Maybe, God, you, you forgot about me. Maybe, God, you don't love me. Maybe, God, I, I, I ain't good enough to do what you called me to do. Sometimes I doubt that I've been called. Sometimes I'm like, man, God, you ain't got the wrong person. This ain't me. You, you want me to do this? Come on, God. You got to be tripping. But I got to know that God loves me and God called me. God loves you and God's called you. He's called each and every one of us for a purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our lives. God has called us. God has called us. Say God has called me. God has called me. Say God has called me. God has called me. Amen. And he's never going to stop loving me. He's never going to stop loving you. God will never stop loving me because I am because because I'm a recipient of his restoring grace. And I want us to look at a passage in Scripture in the book of 1 Corinthians. Turn to 1 Corinthians. let me see. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. We're going to read through 11. Amen? It says, you do not know, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not deceive, neither will the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, or male prostitutes, nor homosexuals, or offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Oh my God. And that is what some of you were. That is what some of you were. I know that's that's what I was. I know there's a couple of those things in there that I... I can raise my hand to, okay? But then there's that famous word. I like that word, but, but, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. You see? That's the Amen. that's amen. That, that, when I read that, that means, man, it gives me joy. That gives me hope. That gives me, man, that lets that, me know that there is nothing I can do because God says I'll be before you. Who can be against you? He says, I will leave you or ever leave you or forsake you. That's what he's telling me. So when I know that it doesn't matter what I've been, that God has washed me and he's sanctified me, he's delivered me, and that I'm a new creation, that I don't got to live in the past no more. I don't got to call myself a dope fiend no more. I don't got to call myself a convict no more. I don't got to call myself none of those things no more because I'm free. You know, because of that, I have the right. When someone comes to ask me, Have you ever been to prison? I can say no. Have you ever been a dope fiend? No. Have you ever been an alcoholic? No. I'm sorry, I can't say I ain't never been a liar, but I'm working on it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sorry, I can't say I ain't never been an idolater. I'm working on it. But those things, those major things in my life that kept me bound, I don't do them no more because I'm a new creation. You're a new creation. You're brand new. You're brand new. We got to walk new. We got to talk new. We got to act new. We can't walk like who we used to be. We can't talk like who we used to be. You know what? Sometimes I tell the men in the home, when you go, if you was to buy a brand new car fresh off the lot with zero miles and you drove it home, would you take it home and take your old stereo off your car and put it in there? Hmm? Would you take your old raggedy rims and put them on your new car? Would you take them old seat covers and put it in there? No. Why? It's brand new. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I don't want to bring nothing from my past here. I don't want to bring, I want to be, I want to stay sanctified. I want to stay delivered. I want to stay separated because I want everything that God has for me. You see, Go ahead and circle these words. And that is what some of you were. What was true then is still true today. God loved believers even before they were believers. You see, God loved us even before we were saved. But when I was out there doping, when I was out there robbing and stealing, when I was out there doing all those things that we were doing, God still loved us. God, Jesus still died on the cross for us. Here's the fact. God takes sinners and turns them into saints. That's a fact. That's a fact. There ain't nothing you can do about it. There ain't no, nothing. All the demons in hell can't change that. God takes sinners. He takes the, the wretched things in the world and brings them into his family. You see, God is in the life-changing business. He takes that which was dirty and makes it clean. He takes that which was broken and he fixes it. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm grateful that God is in my life because I know that without God in my life, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what I would be doing. I don't even know if I would be alive. But I know because of God, because of his saving grace, I'm here today. Only because of his saving grace. ain't nothing I do. It's only because I keep walking for God, because I keep believing. I believe in his word. I believe in his promises. And I'm standing on him. I'm standing on him. Because I know God loves me. You see, he's, he's the great potter, and he puts me, he's had me on this lump, this clay, this, this thing, and he keeps reshaping me, he keeps remolding me. Because sometimes when he's trying to mold me into something, I don't want to be it, because sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it don't feel comfortable what God wants to mold you in. Sometimes we think, well, I, I don't want to be that, because it don't fit into what I want to be. I don't want I, I to come up here and speak, because I'm scared to death. I don't like speaking in front of people because you guys ain't smiling right now. (laughs) Come on, now you guys got to smile, now you're going to make me scared. Come on, now, I ain't got too many more jokes to make you laugh. (laughs) You see, God is the part, and and he turns us into beautiful vessels. He turns us into beautiful vessels. I I know I might not look that good looking, but I'm beautiful in God's eyes. I mean, I'm beautiful in God's eyes. I'm I don't know about y'all, but I know my wife thinks I'm pretty, and God thinks I'm pretty. Hey, come on now! <laughs> yes, sir. Woo. I know I don't know nobody else like the way I look. I know my wife and God do. So that's enough for me. Amen. All right. You see, that is what God does. He is in the life-changing business, and He loves me unconditional. He knows exactly what He got when He picked me up. He knew exactly what he was getting. He didn't have no, like, you know, maybe if I pick him up, he's going to be this. He knew exactly what I was. He knew exactly what you were. Exactly what you were when he came and got you. So don't think that, that that God made a mistake when he came and got you. You see, he knows exactly what he got when he invited me into his family. When he invited us into family, he knew who we were. He knew our hang-ups. He knew everything about us. So don't think that because God has called you that, that, man, you know, I ain't good enough. God called you. God called you, each and every one of you. He called us. He called us to go back out into them streets and, and redeem the lost and to preach his gospel. We called each and every one of us because we were the foolish things of the world. We were. We ain't supposed to be in here today. We ain't supposed to be here on Wednesday night praising God. We ain't supposed to come back tomorrow on Thursday and praise God. This is going to be three days in a row that we've been here. It ain't supposed to go down like that. Not with us. Come on, not with us. It ain't been... Never mind. We don't forget about that. We don't forget about that. You see, lastly, Psalm 51 is about getting the right attitude. It's about having the right attitude. What does it mean? What does it mean? By, in Psalm 51, 15, 17, it says, it says o, Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. What does David, David mean when he says God does not delight in sacrifice? I'm glad you asked him. You see, what do you think David was trying to teach us? David is talking about the mechanical approach to sin. That's what he's talking about, the mechanical approach to sin. Do you keep confessing the same sin so that confession becomes a routine? Do you just come every day to prayer and and you just all of a sudden you praise him and then confess? But you keep confessing the same thing over and over again? God, forgive me because I, God, forgive me because I, and it's the same thing over and over again. It's mechanical. It's, it's just like, man, it's the normal thing. It's like getting up and putting your pants on in the morning. Do you keep confessing the same sin so that your confession becomes routine? You See, God is not looking for dead animals. He's not looking for a lifeless confession. But God is looking for a changed attitude. He wants a changed attitude. When we confess our sins to God, he wants a changed attitude. That means we got to do some changing. Yeah. We got to do some changing. When we, when we ask God to forgive us, for some of us may have a cussing problem. Some of us may have a smoking problem. Some of us may have a drinking problem. Some, whatever problem it is you got, when you confess it to God, you got to believe that God is going to take that away from you. Yeah. You got to begin to walk it. You got to begin to put some, some, some work to your face. If not, you're just going to keep confessing that same sin. You're just going to keep confessing that same old thing. You got to put some work to it. We, every day, we got to do it. Every day. You know, I have a hard time showing affection publicly to my wife. Why is it a sin? I don't know if it's a sin or not, but I know it don't make my wife feel happy. So I'm learning. I'm learning how to do it. I'm learning how to make these changes. I know sometimes I got I got an anger problem. Not, a, not an anger problem, but I, I got an attitude problem sometimes. And I know that it's not right. So I got to change it. I got to change it. I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but my director once told me when I was in the home, he said, fake it till you make it. That's what he said. He said, even if you don't believe it, just keep doing it. And eventually you're going to believe it. Now, I don't know if it works for everybody, and I don't know if it was biblical, but I know it worked for me. I'm just telling you what worked for me because I kept believing that, that, you know, for those of you who don't know, I used to be, you heard a white supremacist? I used to be a black supremacist. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, if you wasn't black, you ain't had nothing coming, especially if you was white, you know. Some of you guys, I used to believe that white people were blue-eyed devils, even if you didn't have blue eyes. You were still a devil. Where I got it from, it's a long story. But when I came in the home, I had to change that mentality. I had to change that mentality. How did I change it? I began to embrace it. And when a white guy came in, there I was. What do you need? Is there anything I can help you with? Is there anything I could do for you? I began to embrace that thing and eventually it became away. It began to it went away. Now there's no problem. It don't matter who it is. I think God knew that he was doing with me. That's why he gave me my wife. yeah for for those of you who don't know my wife is she's that beautiful blonde that's working at children's church right now But but you see God knew what he was doing before he even did it because my wife she ran with my arch enemies in life but she brought us together God brought us together and here we are doing our thing with him making things happen running the men's home running a women's home you know someday someday one day and god we're gonna open a church we're gonna do a church we're gonna build a church we're gonna advance the kingdom of god i believe that i don't know when but it's gonna happen it's gonna happen i know god ain't left me in the men's home for seven years for nothing (laughs) he's doing something in my life amen amen so getting the right attitude. You see, what does David mean Says a routine? says, God is looking for him. What kind of attitude does God want? You see, we normally think that something negative when we speak about something broken. Something's broken. The speaker's broken. Or, or the light's broken. Or the car's broken. It's always something negative. But a broken spirit and a broken heart is, is what God wants. He wants it to break our pride and our self-sufficiency. He wants us to get out of thinking that we can do it on ourselves, that we can that we can get rid of sin, that we can fight sin on our own. We can't do it. I can't fight sin on my own. I can't do anything on my own. Everything that I do, I have to do with the power of God in my life. I have to do it that way. You see, when we realize that we can't fight sin on our own, we realize that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to trigger a great gratitude in our lives. You see, Psalms 5110 is was what the goal is 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 it broken the pride and it says it says creating us a new heart a grateful heart as aj comes you see a grateful heart a grateful heart is is you see when when it comes to worship and we have a grateful heart we begin to see worship in a different light we begin to see, we begin to worship God in a different light. Instead of thinking of worship as just singing songs, just coming up here and, and it's that time of worship before service to come and to sing songs. We have to know that, that when we have a grateful heart, it grows naturally out of the right attitude. Because I'm, I'm grateful. When I worship God, if here in the morning, when comes worship time, I'm worshiping God with all my heart. You know, I'm worshiping him with all my heart, with all my soul because I'm grateful for what God has done for me. I'm grateful for where God has come, brought me from. I don't know of any of you who who stood next to me during grace, but I can't sing, and I ain't got no rhythm. But I know God hears my worship, God hears my praise. It doesn't matter if I'm clapping off tune. It doesn't matter if I sound like a frog. God loves me, and God expects my worship because he knows it comes from a heart. It comes from a heart, and that's what David did. David knew that he had committed a great sin against God. That's why he said, against you and you alone have I sinned. Because he knew he could hide it from man. He knew he could hide it from the people in the palace. He knew he could hide it from all those people. But he knew, God, I can't hide it from you. Because you know everything. Because you created me. And that's what we got to know. We got to know that God, man, I'm sorry. You gotta get that guilt. If you got some kind of guilt on you, if you've been hiding something. Doesn't matter how big it is. It doesn't matter how small it is. That seed of guilt will begin to grow, and it begin to grow. And the next thing you know, it's gonna be hard. You can't get it out. You can't get it out. See, David, David, David committed some wretched things. He committed adultery, and that day adultery was could be stoned, could have killed him could have stoned him it didn't matter that he was the king and have killed that man but he knew he went before God and it was God's grace and God's mercy upon his life that saved him and changed him because that's why today he's known throughout the word of God as a man after God's own heart that's what he's known as he's known as a man after God's own heart and I've learned that that these words in, the, in God's word that they're the same yesterday and today. And I could take that. I want to take that. I want to take that. I want, I want people to say that one day, I don't say this out of pride, but I, I want people to say that one day, Brother Wheel was a man after God's own heart. What do you want them to say about you? What do you want them to say about you when you're gone? That you were a man or a woman after God's own heart? And that's what, That's what I want for my life. When God gave me this message and he talked to me, he broke me because because sometimes I I put ministry, I put put things before God. I put pleasing man before God. Sometimes when they call me, Brother Will, go do this, Brother Will, go do that, Brother Will, go do this. I put whatever, okay, I'm praying, okay, I'll stop. I'll turn off the music and I'll go do what I gotta do. Sometimes they tell me I need to do, okay, I'll do it. I'll neglect me or I'll neglect God to go do what I got to do because I'm a man of obedience. I'm a man of loyalty. Those are my gifts that God gave me. But sometimes I put them before God because I should be obedient to God and I should be loyal to God before anything else. So like today, like I'm telling you, I'm being open with you guys today because this this is my message. This is for me. I'm just telling you what God told me. He told me man he says i'm your number one i'm the one saved you i'm the one saved you out of the pits of hell i'm the one to give you your life back i'm the one not your pastor not that i love my pastor not no one else not your wife not your children but me because i was a wretch i was going to prison i was for life save me and when he told me this he said man me i'm your number one love me before anything so tonight i don't know what's going on in your life i don't know if this message spoke to you or not but if you have something that you're putting before god tonight now's the time to come to this altar the preacher once says why do we call it an altar this is where God comes and alters you. It's where he changes you. It's where he rearranges you. It has to become the heart. It has to be from the heart. Maybe that some little secret thing that you've done that, I don't know, cut somebody off and you know, told them they was number one on the freeway. I don't know what you did. Something. But today, tonight, it's the time to get rid of that secret sin. It's time to get rid of that guilt. It's time to get rid of that shame it don't matter what it was I don't believe any of us in there murdered nobody tonight I don't believe anybody's in there committed adultery tonight I don't know but i do know whatever it is God loves us more than whatever that is and he just wants us to come back to him he just wants us to have that everlasting relationship with him tonight so if this message is spoke to you in any way tonight any type of way i encourage you Come to this altar and ask god for forgiveness come to renew renew whatever it is that that broke us. come and let god break you tonight come and say god i'm sorry man i'm sorry that i put this in front of you i'm sorry that i did this before you i'm sorry it doesn't matter i don't care if it was your wife or your children god understand oh talk to him today come and confess to him say god i'm sorry